Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's a great pleasure to welcome today's program, Walter Heil, who's Senior Vice President of Business Americas at Locus. And today we're going to talk about finding the right balance in last mile delivery. So in the not too distant past, you know, before the rise of e-commerce, please allow four to six weeks for delivery was the standard lead time for just about anything that you ordered via you know, telephone or mail, um, even a book or clothing item, you know, took that long to deliver. Um, so a lot has certainly changed, you know, since then. And today, last mile delivery is one of the hottest segments of the supply chain, you know, industry. So why is it in the spotlight? What is the biggest challenge companies, you know, face in last mile delivery? And how can technology help companies achieve the right balance between cost and customer experience in last mile delivery? Well, those are the main questions we're going to discuss in today's episode. It's great to have Walter on the program to share his insights and advice on this topic. So Walter, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. Super excited to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Um, real pa- really passionate about um, the topic today. So, you know, couldn't be more excited to uh, to kind of dig into some of these uh, questions and items and, and insights into uh, this real sort of watershed moment we have right now in, in supply chain. So um, thank you for having me. Yeah, no, great, great for making the time. And uh, yeah, absolutely. This is definitely, you know, uh, like I said, a hot topic of conversation. There's a lot of companies that are focused on this and trying to move up the maturity curve and, and you know, get better at it. Um, but before we dive into the kind of the topic, um, uh, just, just to give some context and some background, tell us briefly about your you know, your career path, how and why you got involved in supply chain logistics and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Locus. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I, I'm one of those people that's been in uh, sort of the transportation, logistics and supply chain space for a long, long time. I hate, hate to date myself too much here, but going back all the way to the early 1990s, I worked in the international shipping industry, um, uh, both commercial and operational uh, roles. And I kind of segued into technology, particularly early generation TMS technology in the cloud. We called it on-demand back then, if you remember, Adrian, back in the late 90s, um, helped build up a, a, one of the early uh, sort of pioneers in the company, uh, in the industry, called a company called Nestivo, and then really uh, cut my teeth in all different uh, functions across uh, the, the supply chain transportation technology world, everything from sales, uh, commercial operations, professional services, marketing, um, and then worked my way through a number of different organizations, Sterling Commerce, IBM, uh, Blue Jay Solutions, um, Project 44, and a number of other companies. And I've also done some advisory work uh, for both um, uh, strategic advisory work for uh, companies, upstarts in the, in the, in the market, as well as uh, some private equity funds who invest um, in the supply chain technology space. So that led me to where I am today. As you mentioned, I'm responsible for all business operations uh, for Locus in the Americas, which would be North and South America. And uh, we specialize and really focus on this last mile challenge uh, and um, really interested and in looking forward to talking about the market and what we're seeing and how um, not only consumers, but um, shippers, retailers, you know, e-commerce providers, everybody is reacting and trying to gain that competitive edge. Yeah, absolutely. And, and great, you know, great career path there. I think you and I, 
crossed paths, you know, many, many, many years ago, back in those Nestivo days. And for sure, uh, yeah. certainly crossed paths ever since. So, so it's great to reconnect again here uh, as part of your um, uh, roles and responsibilities there at, at Locus. Um, so again, last mile delivery, one of the hottest segments in, in supply chain logistics right now. So let's let's ask a basic question. You know, why is it in the spotlight today, and, and what factors are making you know last mile de- uh, last mile delivery more important? Yeah, so so I think you know sometimes we tend to look at we try to find the real sort of complex, granular reasons for to explain big fundamental shifts in in markets and in in uh, processes. We'll call it in this case in the supply chain. And I think sometimes you got to take a step back and and look at some of the sort of larger obvious reasons and then kind of get into the detail, right? And and the way I look at it is, and this is not an original thought, of course, but um, think about the consumer, right? And and the big difference today is the consumer is now part of the supply chain. The consumer was not part of the supply chain previously, right? So essentially the supply chain... um, you know, the consumer had to pull from the supply chain to get access to uh, whatever they, you know, the demand we'll call it, right? So they had to go to a physical location, a brick and mortar. Um, you know, they had to um, go through a lot of different lengths to try to get any type of home delivery service, which is very limited to begin with, right? It was sort of a unique outlier in the supply chain. Um and even if you ordered something or you wanted access to something, maybe in the old days you went to a catalog, right? Or, or you know, little Sears or, or, or Montgomery Ward or whatever. The whole paradigm has shifted, right? And now um, we are pushing, everybody is, it, the market now demands that you push your product or your services, but in this case, let's talk about products, to the consumer. So the consumer is now part of that supply chain. Now, with that, along with that comes all sorts of implications, right? Now that the consumer is part of that supply chain, the supply chain becomes an integral part of your brand, right? Now the consumer is involved with with your brand as part of the supply chain. So the supply chain is no longer a black hole that eh, doesn't matter what the consumer thinks. I can control it in my back office. And as long as I can control my back office um, and eventually the consumer can get my product at a, at a store or however they're going to get it, it, it's all fine. I don't need to worry about it. The whole paradigm has shifted, as I said before. And now the consumer is part of that um, supply chain. But most importantly, it's now reflective. The supply chain is now reflective on your company's brand. And everyone in the organization from the CEO down, marketing, everybody is highly sensitive to that. So it not only elevates the um, importance, right? A relevancy within the organization about uh, supply chain, it creates a ton of investment to make sure that nothing damages the brand now that this is a part of the supply chain. So I, I tend to look at it a little bit more high level than that. And then, and then from there, you can just sort of peel back the layers of the onion and and understand what type of implications that has on your business. So that's that's really how we look at it and how we look at the market. And then we build, like at Locus, for example, do we then look at building our solutions and our problem solving investments into that challenge that 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 the industry is confronted with? 
You know, a lot of great insights there. I mean, I think the connection between logistics delivery and brand, I think is, is a critical one. And I think it's something that you're right, you know, 20 years ago, that connection wasn't uh, evident or certainly wasn't appreciated. I mean, it was always, it was always there, but it certainly wasn't appreciated um, to the extent that it is, you know, today. And, and you're right, the consumer really is at the center of the supply chain, you know, today. And, you know, it's almost like we're, we're the sun and every, all supply chain processes now are built and designed around, you know, satisfying, you know, that, that consumer and the consumer needs where delivery is, um, you know, I think I wrote a, I wrote a post uh, probably about a year ago talking about how delivery now is the last moment of truth, you know, where everything can go right ahead of time. But if you've got a bad delivery experience, it's late, the product is damaged, whatever the case might be. Um, that's an opportunity, that, that opportunity, if you drop the ball there, you're going to disappoint the customer. You may lose a customer for life or to your point, you know, it just damages the brand and the perception of the brand. Um, and it's usually not the carrier that the customer is upset with is whoever you ordered from, whoever, you know, the, the ultimate, you know, retailer or manufacturer that you ordered from that, you know, gets that stain on them. Yeah, for sure. Whether it's a big, you know, big and bulky hauler or it's a some gig economy delivery service, whatever it might be, it doesn't really matter. It's an extension of your, um, it's an extension of your business. And and look, Les, I would just add to that, um, the toughest SLA you have in your supply chain is with the consumer, right? Um, whatever your agreements are with your carriers, consolidators, warehouse providers. Um, it, all of those are essentially irrelevant if you violate the, as the inherent SLA you have with the consumer. And that is get it there on time, as promised, without damage, without friction, right? And those are the, the, that is the SLA that you have with the consumer. And if you violate that SLA, it doesn't matter how good you are with all those other uh, agreements up the supply chain. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, yes, the, I love that. The, the SLA with your consumer, the service level agreement with your consumer is the, you know, the, the, the key focus today. Um, you know, so, so Locus recently published a, a research paper on, on last mile delivery that we at, at Alante, you know, work together on. Um, and it includes, you know, some survey results from our Indago, you know, research community. Mm-hmm. And, and we asked the, you know, executives in the community, what do you view as the top challenges associated with last mile delivery today? And um, by a large margin, the top response was controlling costs of last mile delivery as as customer expectations become more stringent. Again, going back to your point about customer SLAs becoming more stringent. Does this surprise you? I mean, why is balancing last mile delivery costs with meeting customer expectations so challenging? Yeah, well, first of all, it absolutely does not surprise me, right? Um, And there's there's a lot more nuance to this than just cost, right? So cost is, you know, eventually at some point it all comes down to the balance sheet and someone, you know, pushes a, a, a large initiative into e-commerce with the idea that it's going to, it's going to reduce costs to satisfy that customer SLA that I talked about. And all of a sudden uh, distribution supply chain costs start going up um, and people are looking for um, reasons for that. They want to, they want to better understand it. Um, they want to diagnose it and figure out you know, how, to, how to fix it. Well, so yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I, I think, you know, look, it's, it's like anything else. That, that consumer uh, demand, the requirements that the consumer has, and 
the competition that you have to be able to keep those consumers, not churn them, right? So keep that retention um, is becoming fiercely, fiercely competitive um, day over day, right? There's always new players in the market, new ways of doing things. Everybody's getting into that final mile, last mile delivery, excuse me. And so, you know, what's happening is you're layering on more and more constraints to the way that you deliver. Um, I, I, I tend to look at it as you're always looking for the optimal way to get product to the consumer. The optimal way is to satisfy that consumer agreement that you have, that contract you have with the consumer. Um, And it's also on the other side, you're balancing that with cost. The challenge is, and anyone who's, you know, has experience working with supply chain or, or logistics and transportation optimization is that the more constraints that you apply, the higher the cost goes up, right? Simple. You lower the constraints, the better the plan, the lower the cost, uh, the less friction, if you will. So the challenge is, how can I um, satisfy that customer contract that I have, employ more constraints to to make sure that I'm delivering on time with precision as expected, um, without damage, all of those things. And that in and of itself is is the challenge, sort of the dilemma, right? So, you know, technology companies like at Locus, for example, we're always looking to solve problems like that. And I'll just kind of give you one example, right? An example would be appointment scheduling. Think about the old um, uh, cable service appointment, or maybe even a a utility or an appliance delivery or something like that, right? Uh, We'll be there between between eight or 12 or between 12 and five, the windows, right? Well, the reason they did that is because if they tightened those constraints and gave you a one-hour window, they didn't have the capacity to optimize their distribution of, a, of whether it's a service or a product to keep the cost under control. So I said, well, there's no way we can be competitive by squeezing that down. We have to open it up. It's a horrible experience for the consumer, Adrian. It's terrible, right? But that's the way it worked. Now with what technology enables companies to do is say, wait a second, if I can optimize those windows, if I can give the consumer the ability to pick very discrete windows, And then I have technology that can actually dynamically look at all of those delivery times and make the best sense of them and essentially provide a uh, a premium service, maybe a next day or same day without having to charge the consumer for it, then I have a competitive advantage, right? Because typically if you want, oh, you want same day, next day, and you want that certain window, that's a premium service. Prime, for example, that was the original premise of Prime. Well, if you've noticed, Prime doesn't um, uh, charge for a premium much anymore. It's kind of standard, right? So um, that's the idea. So we're focusing, for example, on making sure that our customers can give their customers the ability to pick a time that's convenient for them. So for example, if it's a prepared meal delivery service, I don't want my meal delivered at 10 a.m. If it's, if it's dinner, I don't want it to go in the freezer and then in the microwave. I want it at five or 5.30 and I want it tomorrow or today. And if I want to provide that flexibility and top level service to my customer, I have to be able to do that without incurring too much cost and, and, and you know, uh, eroding my margin. That's, that's a perfect example, right? So, um, 
you, you have to be able to do that. And again, it kind of goes back to what I talked about in the beginning of the conversation. You have a contract with the customer. The customer is now part of your supply chain. You are responsible for making that a frictionless, seamless, uh, positive experience for the customer. And if you can do that, right, without having your costs, you know, skyrocket and, 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 and uh, uh, erode your margins, then you're in a competitive advantage with your competition. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. I think that illustrates, you know, one of the key capabilities of, you know, how technology can help companies, you know, achieve that balance. And, and the example you gave is, is you know, optimization obviously is, is one of the key uh, technology capabilities that, that's required here, right? So can't do this really with a spreadsheet, you know, or with a whiteboard, you know, like back in, back in the old days, you know, uh, uh, which even then, you know, was, was sub-optimized. Yeah. Um, so, so when you think about technology, obviously to optimization is a, is a key component of it. What other capabilities are important to, again, help companies find or achieve that right balance between cost and, and customer experience? Yeah, so I think there's a couple things, right? And, and these, are, these are tied together. Um, you have to first, not just first, but one of the other elements would be, I, I call it full transparency. You no longer, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but you no longer uh, can expect to provide a satisfying experience to your customer, for example, without giving them full transparency about their product in the supply chain. Again, the customer is part of the supply chain. So just like if you were to give a, uh, a distribution center visibility to you know, what's coming in from your, on the inventory side, that transparency, you have to expect and extend that same expectation to the customer. So in the old days, just a tracking number wasn't good enough, right? You had to push that transparency. Now you have to push that transparency to the consumer. You have to give them you know, um, consumable uh, information that they can, they can access from what they're comfortable with, their phone or whatever it is, right? Typically it would be their phone. Give them proactive information about the status of their order um, and give it to them in real time. Look, not everything goes perfectly. There's always disruption in the supply chain. If something happens and you can push that to the customer, right? And TMS, Adrian, we used to call, you know, proactive alerts. If, you know, the, the truck is going to be late for an appointment, you send an alert to um, the distribution center or the, the receiver and it goes to the gate and they can reschedule an appointment. Same concept with the consumer, right? Consumer says, oh, I ordered something. I ordered um, uh, a boogie board to go to the beach and it's supposed to be here um, by 10 a.m. because I'm going to the beach at noon. I, if I get an alert and it says it's going to be here at noon, I'm not that happy about that, but at least I know that I have to wait a little longer to get my boogie board before I go to the beach, right? That's a big deal. That might be good enough to say where the consumer still says, okay, I'm super happy they did that. It wasn't so disruptive that um, I'm not going to order again uh, from, this, from, this, from this supplier. I'm not going to cut them off. I avoided churn. I avoided losing that customer. In the old world, I sat around and waited. I didn't get it. Maybe someone had to call an 800 number. It was disruptive. It was painful. And I would lose that customer. You have to be able to do that today. So that transparency really is a huge part 
uh, of, of the experience. And, and, and that's something that customers really need to be on top of. The other part of it really is flexibility. Um, you hear the term orchestration in the market a lot today. What does orchestration mean, right? Um, you have to be able to decouple from, for example, full dependency on captive fleet investment, right? So companies that have always been really good and invest in the customer experience have always taken the posture of, hey, I need to have full control. In order for me to have full control, I have to own my fleet, right? And, and there's good reasons for it, by the way. And I think that there's a healthy balance here that I'll get to in a minute. Because if you own your fleet, that fleet does become an, is an extension of your business. It, 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 in, in many cases, it's, it's a billboard for your business on the road, right? And the driver and maybe who's doing the delivery is a part of your organization and a part of that um, customer contract that you have. But if you have full dependency on a captive fleet and your competitors are decoupling from that and they're using third parties effectively, they have a cost advantage, right? And if that third party network that your competitor uses is providing service and is upholding their contract with the same customer base that you're working with um, and they're not losing those customers, they have a competitive advantage because they have lower costs and they can reinvest into their supply chain, reinvest into their R&D, do whatever it is. So um, it trickles down. So if you can find a good balance and, you can, and your technology is flexible and extendable to be able to use the best third-party providers, be able to rationalize, optimize, like we talked about before, um, and also balance that with your captive fleet, um, that gives you a, a competitive advantage because if you're not doing that, um, you know you have to you have to really think about am I is my cost into my my captive fleet investment really giving me that much of an advantage? In some cases it might be, but in many cases we're seeing it's not necessarily the case. So your technology has to be able to support a shift in your strategy. You know I love those two things: transparency, you know, and flexibility, and certainly on the transparency front. Yeah, you talked about utilities and services. We just just last week we had a um, we had scheduled an appointment with someone to come look at our gutters <laughs> at, at our house, and we got you know the 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 four hour you know time window, and we were approaching the fourth hour of the time window. We hadn't heard anything, and you know the 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 person hasn't shown up yet. And and you're right, you know it's one of those things where if we had gotten a proactive notification you know, um, halfway through that window to say, hey, you know, we're running a little behind schedule. We'll be, you know, instead of being there by noon, we might be there by one. Um, I would have known that, hey, you know, I've got another hour where I can, you know, go grab some lunch or I can get some more work done or whatever. Um, so I think that that is a key thing as you brought up there in terms of providing that transparency, being proactive with the consumer, being able to provide that visibility that we always talk about, you know, so much in this industry. And then that flexibility, you're right. I mean, if anything, you know, I think one of the things that the pandemic has taught us is that, you know, companies need to, you know, continuously adjust and, and um, you know, move in different directions as the market conditions require. And, you know, the ability to enable different models, whether it's, hey, you're, you're running your, your last mile operations completely in-house, or you want a hybrid approach, as you, you know, talked about, you know, technology needs to be able to, you know, handle, you know, whatever permutations of, you know, delivery models, you know, you want, you want to enable because that that's the name of the game right now is to, to have that flexibility to respond to whether it's capacity constraints that are out there, labor shortages, 
I mean, there's a lot of things that are influencing and impacting this market right now. And I think companies need to be flexible to adjust to that. Um, and the technology needs to be flexible as well to be able to, to power those things. Um, I mean, well, what do you think is the, uh, you know, the biggest mistake or, or misconception people have about last mile delivery? Um, yeah, so I, I, interestingly, I really think what people have to understand, and, and, and many do, right, um, maybe more on the consumer side, but, but um, I think in general, I think people really have to understand and grasp the reality that this is not a trend, okay? Trends are temporary, okay? <laughs> um, this is not a trend. Um, I, I alluded to this earlier. I think I used the term watershed moment. I, I use the analogy. This is th this um, shift in to last mile and the consumer being part of the supply chain and that contract you have with the consumer and how the, the, the supply chain is an extension of your brand. I believe it is, is, is dramatic, important, uh, of a shift in, in supply chain as containerization was in the 1950s, right? Because you think about, you know, you know, prior to shipping containers, right? Things were just in crates on ships and it was a mess and it was inefficient and all that. And, and what containerization did for global international shipping, I really believe last mile is that similar moment in supply chain, right? If we look back, you know, 50 years, 30 years from now, whatever it might be. Um, because again, if you think about it, it has completely flipped uh, the expectation upside down. The customer is in control. The supply chain is now a part of, like I said before, a part of your brand. You now have a SLA with the customer, not just your service providers, right? Not just your, those internal trading partners in your supply chain. Um, and, and I think that that's what has to be grasped. So this, you know, you, you asked the question, um, you know, what's the biggest misconception? I think the, the biggest misconception right now is don't think of this as some temporary trend that maybe was, you know, uh, came about because of the, 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 the pandemic or uh, anything like that. This is, um, this is a shift that's here to stay. It's going to continue to move in this direction. And technology and the investment into technology and the development of technology is going to follow that trend. Um, and, and that's where uh, R&D is going to go. And we're, I think we're going to see a real hyper acceleration. And we're already seeing it at Locus, right? That's, 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 the, that's what we're following. And we're going to continue to see a hyper acceleration in the ability of technology to support this shift. You know, I love that response, and I love the the analogy with the uh, the shipping, you know, container. And I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I really hadn't thought about it exactly in, in in those terms. But if if you look, you know, we we tend to use the word, you know, transformational, you know, a lot or disruptive a lot of in this industry. It. Yeah, I, I we overuse it away from away from yeah. Right, but 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 I. But, but I think you're right. I mean, I think when you look at um, what's happening, obviously, in last mile, but if you just look in broader, you know, the, the different things that are happening in the M&A world, if you look at what 3PLs are doing, you know, them getting more involved with technology, if you look at even the retailers getting more involved with technology, even taking on last mile delivery services or this whole gig economy. I mean, there's so many different things that are happening across different parts of the industry 
that all point back to what you just talked about, that this is not just a trend. This is really transforming um, supply chains. It's transforming the physical networks, right? Because we're, we're moving away from this, you know, what was the dominant model of distribution, which was, you know, supplier to distribution center to retail outlet. And now, you, you know, it's, it's direct to consumer. It's more urban logistics. Um, and the list goes on. So this is really transforming the physical supply chains that are out there, as well as the digital supply chains. I and mean, obviously that's where the, the technology comes in to be able to, you know, support that. Um, so, so Walter, as, as a way to wrap up then, I mean, what questions should, you know, companies ask themselves to, to assess whether they're a leader or a laggard when it comes to last mile delivery? Yeah. So um, great question. And they, not only should they be asking themselves this, you know, most are um, for that matter, but um, yeah. So, you know, Again, I'm, I'm going to kind of go back and, and hit on some of the um, uh, topics we talked about previously in the discussion today, because they're, they're very relevant to the question that you asked. So, so it's, it, it's almost as if, right, am I, am I meeting my customer expectations? Let's start off there with the original sort of um, uh, part of our discussion about the, the, SL, the customer SLA, right? All right what, what is expected of me? Am I meeting those expectations? And does my tech scale and enable me to do that, right? So from there, you can just kind of break it down. Does the technology that I utilize, does it give me the ability to uphold that contract with the customer? And, and equally as important, is it a provider that I can rely on, not as a point solution, right? If you're looking at these providers as point solutions, you're probably setting yourself up uh, for problems, right? You need to look at a provider and say, does this provider offer a landscape of solutions, a landscape of not just modules, but technology that helps me not only automate processes. If you think about, you know, when you evaluated technology, you looked at, well, can I automate processes to eliminate um, you know, non-value add functions, right? Um, or people for that matter. The paradigm has shifted there. And now it's, how can I automate those human decisions, right? How can the technology have, and I know we talk a lot about AI and machine learning, but it really is here now, right? I want my technology to be able to scale and make better decisions based on what's happening in the real world, right? I don't want decisions that, you know, the technology to make decisions that were in a, um, a, a, a data model that someone put together. I wanted to look at what happened in the real world. I want to know if I've got a delivery service in a certain territory or whatever that I know that this driver stops and gets a cup of coffee here and it creates a 10 minute delay, right? And the delivery time. I want to incorporate that in my optimization. So if I'm giving my customer in that contract I have with them, the ability to schedule a 30 minute delivery window, I have to account for that. And if I don't, I'm increasing my cost because I can't optimize based on real world decision-making. So I, ask my, I have to ask my question, does my, the, do my technology partners, can they support that type of decision-making uh, in the technology and then bring that real world uh, experience, real world uh, uh, data to making better decisions uh, 
as I continue to optimize my, my final mile. Um, I, I also think, you know, does my technology partner, do my technology partners, do they invest, do they invest in um, the important parts of the supply chain? Meaning we just talked about it before. Uh, final mile, touch point to the consumer versus upstream supply side. All of that is important. The end-to-end uh, -end visibility, that transparency. But if I, I have to provide a frictionless experience to my customer, right? In order to be competitive. Does my supplier, do my technology partners have, um, do they have, balanced investments into all parts of that supply chain. The reason I say that is last mile has become high profile, but a lot of technology companies still invest heavily in what you talked earlier, Adrian, about sort of first mile and middle mile. And the reason they do that is because that is still the integral part of that B2B relationship, right? It's always important getting, you know, inventory um, from the supply side is hugely important. Uh, middle mile is hugely important, but you have to make sure that your partners appreciate that last mile uh, investment into, you know, into their technology footprint, right? You can't just rely on some marketing and someone saying, yeah, we're into last mile. Everyone says they're into last mile. They have to really prove it. Um, so you have to do your due diligence. You have to look at what's important to these technology providers, where they see the market going, where they appreciate that contract with the consumer and make sure that their investment into their technology, which is their investment into their relationship with you is balanced correctly. So you have to, I, they have to ask themselves and really do their research and make sure that their partners are doing that. Because if they're not, um, can you really afford a two, three year uh, relationship with a provider and then do it again and then do it again? Um, th there's too much cost. There's too much risk in that. So you've got to find someone where you can have a seven to 10 year marriage, realistically, right? It's kind of the average uh, length of a marriage in the US, I think, today. You can look at that the same thing about what you should be doing and how you should be partnering with your uh, supply chain technology partners. Look at it as a seven to 10 year marriage. And then look deeper down and think, you know, where, what's important to this provider? Are they just talking about last mile or are they really investing in it? Um, so those are the things that I would, I would sort of, you know, suggest or um, my advice to anybody. Those are the questions they, they should be asking themselves. Yeah. Well, you, you start out by saying, you know, really, you know, the first question is, hey, are we meeting our customer SLAs, right? Our consumer SLAs, right? So if the, if the answer is no, or, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're dropping the ball there, that's a clear sign that this is an area for, you know, investment. And then you, you brought up a lot of good points in terms of, well, you know, what's the right type of partner, technology partner. And, and, and I think as we've talked about in this program many times, I think that the, the, the right companies are the ones that view when they're looking at technology, they're viewing at who they want to partner with, right. As opposed to look to, to, for a vendor, right. So it's, it's really that partnership you know, perspective, which, you know, implies, you know, you, you want to have a long-term, you know, relationship with them to be able to, you know, grow and um, be able to innovate together, you know, based on the, 
you know, ever-changing market realities. And certainly this is an area that's going to continue to evolve and, and change rapidly in, in, the, in the years ahead. Yeah. And I, I would just, one, one last thing before you wrap up, Adrian, I would add to that is um, the other thing they have to ask themselves is, can I handle the change management required, right? And you have to look at your technology partner um, and do they have extendable, scalable, intuitive technology to enable me to manage that work, get through that change management without too much pain, because the pain is typically is going to equate to cost, right? Or friction, right? So does this provider in the technology, right? Does it allow me to implement change management with reduced friction, right? Reduced uh, 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 cost. Um, And if you can get through that, right? um, That's a huge hurdle to get across because if it requires too much change management, um, it could be counterintuitive to the strategy with that um, with that provider as well. So I wanted to add that as the last point. No, that's a great point. I mean, the research that we, we've done over the years, you know, year in and year out, change management is always comes up on top as the biggest hurdle to any kind of technology adoption or, or you know, right. successful rollout. So that, that's a great point. Well, Walt, I mean, you know, we, we could probably, you know, speak for hours about this sure. topic. And I'm <laughs> sure, you know, we'll have more opportunities down the road as um, you know, again, as this market continues to evolve and, and new developments come up. But again, thank you very much for making the time to be with us today. And you, know, you provided some great food for thoughts and, and, and advice. So again, thank you for making the time. Likewise, always spending time, always like spending time with you, Adrian. Appreciate it. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Locus website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Walter, Uh, You can post it there and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.